This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of arts, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in, well, art again today. That's right, we're going off-roading in our open discussion segment where we ask... Uh, Yeah, but is it art? Or more fitting today, where is the art going? So, there's no theses, no history, just unadulterated open discussion. It's going to go like this, guys. We'll present a topic and simply hash it out. Sometimes we'll be on the same side, sometimes we'll be on the opposite, and sometimes we'll just switch for funsies. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I'm feeling. Um, just to play devil's advocate. So we'll have a lot of fun today. So, guys, oh, you're in for a treat. To hash things out, I am joined by our NDP president and his debut performance. That's right. He is all things lead on business, ops, and legal. He, he wears a lot of hats, including manager, marketer, and even my agent. And that is Mr. Clayton Anderson. But what people don't know about Mr. Anderson, I always feel like I'm Smith from The Matrix when I say, like, Mr. Anderson. What people don't know is that he is also a secret artist. That's right. He is our authority on amazing food, fine wine. He's our resident sommelier. So, uh, Mr. Anderson, welcome to the show, man. Happy to be here. Happy to finally be on the other side of the glass for once. <laughs> it's, it, it, guys, this has been such a long time coming because, um, yeah, we've been talking about how to have Clayton on the show for a long time, and we didn't quite know where he was going to fit. Um, and we thought, we, I, I, I pitched him an idea, and I think you immediately was like, yes, that's perfect for mm-hmm. me. Um, and what's even better, guys, is, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, he's in the house today. We actually are in the studio, face-to-face. I get to see those beautiful eyes of his, and he gets to see my mouth fl- flapping way too much, so don't worry. I'm going to give you the floor here in a minute. But before we do, of course, we need a little word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by The Entropy Sessions, a tale of loss, love, and madness, and our past, present, and future relationships with technology. Find it on Amazon and as an audiobook through Audible. Your support helps us continue our journey. Now back to the show. So uh, as we do on this segment, I'm going to present a topic and then uh, we're going to fucking go after it. So the topic is this today. Has our golden age of television reached its peak? Or maybe, hmm, is it plateauing? Or worse, is it going downhill? Or perhaps... And I'm excited. So, Clay, guys, Clayton, ha- he brought his fucking tablet in today. I mean, he wrote a lot of notes. I'm Nerd sure, alert. Yeah. I'm sure there's like an Excel spreadsheet in there as well. So, I know he has a lot to say about this. So, um, Clayton, is it going up, down, plateauing? Yes. And, 
you're absolutely right. There are many spreadsheets on this tablet, but um, <laughs> but I digress. Um, Finally. So when I think about, before we go to where um, the golden age of television is today, I think we need to set some boundaries. Okay. So, okay. So where okay, are the rules? What's the, what's the ground when, rules? When did the golden age of television start? Good question. Opinion? I want to say when I was uh, doing my homework for this or just really think, you know, these, these kind of uh, segments, I just, I am, I sleep on a lot of things. I go into deep thought. I want to say early 10. So the last decade. Yeah. Okay. I actually would, I would argue that. Oh, and please I would say please, that's the whole point of the show. Please argue earlier. I think we can fight. I don't know. We're in the same room finally. Yes, we can physically fight. <laughs> yeah, we can physically to. fight. Um, <laughs> I when I was thinking about Golden Age of Television, and I I will admit some bias here because I just did a rewatch, a pandemic rewatch of this of what um, the Sopranos. Mm. So to me, that's when. The well, Golden that Age was of a previous. Started. There's actually been. Uh, so me and Buck did a show on this. Enlighten me. Um, there's ones I think I believe in the yeah 60s and 70s. Definitely ones in the 90s because of things like Friends and stuff like that. Sitcom era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what you're describing, which is yeah, the Sopranos kind of kicked off everything Prestige, for what we know today. Dramas. Exactly. Yeah. But then um, there was there were some arguments that it it kind of um, uh, there was you know there was a peak. And then it went down again. And then when we got streaming services like Netflix and stuff, game changer, exactly. And then they put like an except. Remember that era? There was like a there was a Goldilocks time. There was a golden era of like people used to make fun of Netflix for just throwing money at anybody, Mm -hmm. right? And we got all these amazing shows and probably a little too much content. I I feel like at one point we'll talk about that a little later. Then there's been a lot of there's been a lot of talk that. We and and Buck actually said this in in the previous show is he thinks he thinks we're past it we're going downhill. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think? I don't think, and I'll give you my my argument here, but I don't think that we are we have peaked at all yet. Ooh. Okay. I think why I think while we are clearly overloaded with streaming services and it might feel like we're diluting the content. Mm-hmm. We are simply diluting the platforms and the channels. Mm. The content is still very good. There may be, you know, I don't think I'm going to surprise anybody here, but there may be a lack of new ideas, which makes oh, a Jesus show Christ. like oh my God, yes. Severance so powerful is that mm. new idea. Mm. But also if you look at TV dramas historically, like a lot of them use the same tropes. Like absolutely the succession trope. Okay, the, yes. Besides the actual show Succession, yeah, that's what Game of Thrones was about. Yeah, succeeding the throne. You go back to like Dallas in the eighties. Who's going to get the fortune? Like, it's not a new concept. It's just new flavors on all of it. And so, so there may be a lack of new ideas, but I don't think you can penalize the execution. Very good execution. Of an old trope, I'm gonna push back. I think um, we are at. I think we're approaching apex uh, for, and I will. I will say this: there's a lot of nuance here because I think this is, is an excellent discussion for us because, you know, uh, before we even had a conception for the show, Clayton was like my resident Game of Thrones expert. Like he knew all the lore and all this stuff, so I I, I knew that television would be a good topic for us, mm-hmm. right? And um, I think that we're re- we're reaching a peak domestically because we're starting to see things like um, finally we we all, we always knew this was coming. So something like the gold standard is Netflix, right? So Netflix is finally seeing a loss in subscribers. Well, it's Disney now. Right, right, yeah. the The people that have taken their subscribers is Disney, and because they've always used the the model of, of can't we, beat the mouse ears exactly, and well, family, like right, because you're not only marketing to these kids, the parents have to buy it for the kids. So we have the nostalgia stuff with Star Wars, exactly, and Marvel. But I mean, I, I guess I could argue that Netflix has a um, 
they've been capitalizing on nostalgia for fucking ever. But Straight here's my here's my yeah. point, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson is uh, this is uh, so we're finally seeing where there was a high for so long, and Netflix just throwing money at fucking everything. Right? They would any idea they're like, yeah, here's a million dollars, go make the spaghetti thing. at the wall. <laughs> yeah, see what right. Sticks. Exactly. And uh, now we're finally seeing a loss of su- subscribers. And so what happens with these markets is this is they start to turn into other things um, to capitalize their bottom line, which is revenue. And their revenue is uh, going to be based on things that they know are going to be successful. So an easy comparison, right. An easy comparison is the film industry. That's why we have so many remakes and Mm -hmm. uh, reboots and all this stuff is because they know tried and true IPs are going to be successful. And so I think things like Netflix and a lot of other things are going to start going down the same fold and we are going to um, see a lot of the same rehashing and boring old fucking content that we've seen in other markets like the film in my example but I, there's a happy ending so this is why this this conversation is fun and very nuanced I'm gonna pass it back to you so I can hear what you say but I I there's more to the puzzle than I think people realize I think especially people in the West are only used to the BBC and American markets and fucking Stranger Things kind of kind of mm-hmm. shows that are like these global phenomenons. But there's an international market. Before we get there, I want to hear about what you think about my rebuttal. I, I used to have very similar concerns, uh, specifically, uh, I'm an HBO boy. Oh, like yeah. Like HBO stan. <laughs> um, I like them all. Gold standard, you can do no wrong. Yeah. HBO put something new out. I'm going to at least give it a try. Um, AT&T acquired HBO not too long ago, and that's when they switched to the HBO Max. And uh, you think... And the weird Disco- Warner Brothers Discovery, yeah, and they took a bunch of fucking right. things just off the shelf. Exactly. HBO yeah. was like, look what Disney's doing, capitalizing stuff. We're going to make that grab too. The fear with that, and that's when they got like things like the Big Bang Theory and stuff like that, where it's just like, just try to get us numbers, right? Like Friends. And then, or the office, yeah, for for Peacock, you know, yes, exactly. And then they've come out with shows like I don't know if you've seen the recent one, like We Own This City, Mm-mm. small, um, there's too much content, mini series, yeah, it's about Baltimore. We're, we're adding to it right now, <laughs> Baltimore PD, um, corruption, right? Not once again, not a new trope, The Wire, but <laughs> nothing new, yeah, right. right, right, and and it was excellent. Yeah. And then you get shows like Fleabag and Oh yeah. Ooh, excellent. I love Fleabag. God, right. Good, good, good. And so picking that out of out of the hat. So you start worrying about like, well, is is their content going to go down because they're just throwing money at it? And I haven't seen a big drop off. You know, the 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 fear was after a Game of Thrones, that was kind of gonna be it. And then they dropped succession, which is outstanding. But I guess to your point, it's still a tried and true drama. But we're now we're in this lens, of, having this lens of you know CEO kind of celebrities in that culture, like because it's based off yeah. of um, the Murdoch family from Fox, right? Yeah, I don't think that's once again. I don't think that's a new phenomenon. Right, Vanderbilt, it's just like like the... Get Out. It's like we're putting a spin on old things that work. The right. dramedy in this case, you know, right. best insult dialogue of all time for in my opinion is Succession. It's wealth porn. We yeah. <laughs> we we porn. that are not in but, that but status. But that's the spin, right? Is there is the frame is that we're using this family and this thing, you know, we don't even know how these worlds work and now they're so fascinating because yeah. of of these how weird familial interactions. Seeing how that part of the population li- lives. Exactly. The super wealthy, yeah. Right, yeah. I don't think you're going to convince me. And that's good. <laughs> that's right. That's the point of it. So you're, I'm not going to convince you that we're peaking. You think we're still going up. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think it's really hard to identify a peak at its time. I think you need 10, 20 years. Right, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's why we're so, hashing it out. It's but, fun to really think about, you know, the yeah. possibility. I, I, I just... I don't. I think we've got shows today that, you know, we talked about Succession. We've talked about Severance, Ted Lasso, right? That's, oh, yeah. a, that's it's a new, but something that's like, new. And you it's, know, it's, it, again, I think to your point, but to build on, on maybe my argument is, you know, Ted, Ted Lasso is nothing new too. It's a fun comedy. And, uh, but I, I do love it. Don't get me wrong. It is a, it is sad that we're, we're going to get 
to our last season soon. Um, let's not talk about it. <laughs> it's never um, designed to be. I think this forever. is a and uh, this is a perfect um, opportunity to talk about the the fut- the the immediate future because as I already joked, you know, Clayton has been our resident Game of Thrones. Ooh, expert House of the dragon exactly yeah. now this is uh we're, we're gonna stay evergreen baby so by the time it's either gonna be new uh, or still on the horizon before this uh so this may drop before it comes out or you may be listening to it while while the show's already out yeah, listen either to us or, first and then go to your house of the dragon podcast yeah, after either or yeah and we will <laughs> uh either or i mean it's it's again game of thrones in this example was revolutionary you know, for movie level production at at home. Yes. But now we're just getting a reboot. It's nothing new again. Will people? I think we'll still flock. Don't get me wrong. Oh, we will flock. Yes. But but my point is is this is why it's more of a plateau. So we're not going. We're not regressing. In my humble opinion, I don't think we're going down in this golden era. We're just kind of plateauing. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this because we do know we've seen Stranger Things, Game of Thrones. That the money being spent per episode on the production oh, it's is ridiculous. is movie level. Is movie level and, absolutely? And you have to wonder. Part of that, and we you've talked about this in other episodes, is attention span. Can people oh, really God. sit through? Jesus Christ! Two and a half, three hour movies <laughs> Why anymore? How do I write books? <laughs> or yeah, seriously? But uh, no, check out his book. Really, it's it's good. Um, the we can sit through an hour, take a break. And then go back to the next episode because we're also binging it. So I'm curious now where you think did the end of weekly drops and kind of the hype that goes into Sunday night with HBO or Thursday night NBC. Sure. Did that, does that impact the peak of Golden Era where you just do a binge and some people watch it all in one weekend, some people spread it out and you don't have that population hype those twitter moments of the red wedding we need yeah we need that week to talk about it yeah right yeah or, you don't break the internet like right. you know anymore because people aren't watching all at the same time i think the trend is moving back to uh, appointment television that's what i have, so? i have seen in red yeah there um, and i think it depends so this is the beauty of where we are in this medium in television is that um, there's going to be shows that still are, uh, they, they want to drop all the, the whole season at once and mm-hmm. it, it, they want it to be bingeable because there may be a franchise around it and they want you to buy the fucking toys and everything else. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But stuff, stuff like severance, uh, stuff like game of Thrones. Yeah. We need that time as an audience to like have fun with the, the nerding, Put right? Some puzzle pieces like, you, together. You actually, yeah, exactly. Develop yeah. internet theories. Exactly. Yeah. The Reddit culture. And you, you made a perfect example talking about the red wedding because the red i i will never forget being one of those people that i was <laughs> i was on a treadmill at the time i remember like stopping the treadmill exactly and just how being, you want to watch the red wedding <laughs> uh well i was just like I, it was that moment where i like like the world stopped you mm-hmm. know like i stopped everything i was doing just to like take like, in the moment like oh my god holy shit. jesus christ <laughs> yeah and but but to your point yeah I would it would it wouldn't have landed so hard if it yeah we had this big build up and then that scene and then it, we didn't have anything else for another week or two before yeah. they put out another episode so you're you're thinking about where does it go from here you know it really makes it more powerful so I think I guess to answer your question it depends on the show there's a lot of nuance yeah. there with HBO too they tro- we go back to tropes they have this penultimate episode trope where it almost you build anticipation going into the penultimate episode yeah. of a series you're like, of the season, you're like, oh gosh, it's the penultimate. Something's going to happen because that's the way HBO does it. Right. And so you have the lead in and then the drama after. Right. Now, um, to build on the overarching uh, discussion topic, I will say this. As much as I think there's going to be start, uh, or we're, we're pretty much at a peak and we're going to start plateauing, and I think there'll still be great productions and great ideas and probably a lot of spins, as I already put it, on already established um, ideas that work. And we're just going to give it a, we're going to like, you know, instead of, a perfect example is, you know, instead of like 
the male serial killer in a murder mystery will have more female. You know, yeah. we're seeing that more the, and more. The killing and more. Eve type right. thing. Yeah. yeah, we're starting to see that. It's a, and it's a simple thing. We switched the genders, right? Right. And um, so I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And so we're still going to have great stories, like the mayor of, of East Town and all oh, that stuff. Which was phenomenal. Yeah. And... Um, but I think where the the new, great, amazing IPs and ideas are really going to come from now, where if we are still going to go up in some capacity, it's going to be from the international market. So we had things yeah. like Squid Game, yep. Dark, and like... I, you know, we didn't see stories like we haven't seen stories like this ever because we are used to only our culture. So we're used to a lot of the rehashing of what we do within our own stories. Absolutely. But people that grew up in the East or Europe or anything like that, though, you know, there is a lot of globalization. The world is smaller now than it's ever been. But we still have distinct, you know, language barriers, things like that, that like I oh, my God. I mean, most people, that's not a fucking deep cut. Most people know Squid Game, but most mm-hmm. people don't know Dark. This is a German, German one. Yeah, this is a German um, TV show. You can see it on Netflix, and it takes, it, it again, it's, it's a trope of um, using time travel. You know, we've seen time travel stories for decades. Nothing new there, but right. they put a spin on it like I've never seen before, and the drama and the uh, level of character building plot designing and then just overall like like set design you know the whole the whole production is is outstanding and i don't think we would have gotten anything like that in america or or i guess to a lesser extent the west so we'll include the uk and stuff since we there's so much overlap there so that's where i do think the um i think the future is Mm -hmm. in international markets yeah there's there's different different cultures and but to, to your point with Squid Game, there's there's different stories that you grow up with when mm-hmm. you're a child. And then taking the idea of your childhood games and childhood stories and making it a life or death, most dangerous oh, game Jesus type Christ. thing. Yeah. It, was, it was brilliant. Yeah. So before we uh, jump to any other topics, I do have... No, two. no, I'm looking at the clock. We're doing good. We, okay. got, nine, we got nine minutes before we, we okay. move on. Because yeah. I have two bonus questions with this one. Within this one? Within we this have, one. We have... Ooh, God, he, God, guys, you did his homework. He's got, he's got his, I'm gen- he's got genuinely his, curious. He's got his responses. iPad. He's got his Excel spreadsheet. We tease him. We tease him. We love Clayton. Come on. All right. What is it? Top three shows of all time. Top three shows of all time. Yours. Yours. Mine? Everybody's That's got their That's impossible uh, for me. Three. Um, I feel like I have three every few years, you know, just like films or music. Music took me 10 years to figure out. <laughs> it's Led Zeppelin for the record. That's my favorite band of all time. But um, film and TV is hard. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass the ball back to you. What is your top three? What a cop out! Unbelievable. <laughs> well, let me let me think about it. I'll okay. go back to you. Um, my top three. Number three, Sherlock. Okay, which is BBC. That is BBC. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I do love with Cumberbatch. Yeah, he's so dreamy. the batch. He's so dreamy. Yes, I, I love my British television. My wife's in love with them. She has a that's one Who of her celebrity right? crush. Right. I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't I think he's charming. I just don't think I'm I don't I'm not as physically attracted to him as he's like witty. Oscar Isaac and you know, some mm, other beef. Those cakes. Latin guys, yeah. Yeah, ooh, yeah. yeah. Now we're I don't even know if he's Latin. Perfect. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, um number two. Game of Thrones. Yes, Game of Thrones. Honestly. Yep. So he's. I told you he's a resident. No surprise. And number one, care to guess? Uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, gotta be. God. Okay. Yeah, I will say. Um, I could probably give you a top five in no particular order, though. I am Breaking Bad is easily on there. Uh, Game of Thrones is on there. Um, God, I like a lot of sitcoms. You know, like Thirty Rock, like things that are like so underrated. Yeah. Parks and Rack. Easily um, rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. Stuff that I can watch over and over again, I think, really hold a special place in my heart. And uh, But yeah, no, I like... But I honestly, like I was, um, you know, talking about the international markets, Dark, I think, is, I mean, Severance. That's why I feel like some of... I feel like I'll always have... It'll be 
it'll be ever evolving. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like that those, those numbers will change almost every year because I'm very, like, I love stranger things, you know? So it's, it's hard to say of literally all time, but I I do feel like breaking bad and even the writing for the, a couple of the first seasons of like the walking dead before they fucking sold out. And you know, like every episode is like, are they still going it? They just, they're, they're just now at their uh, series finale after 13. You, you know, got the money. There's no more left. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 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 my point. Like I stopped watching it when it was clear that they needed to stretch things so thin that they just needed more commercial time. They needed is, more advertising time. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is I don't need a whole fucking episode about them having one conversation about one thing. Let's get to the let's get to the the drama. You know, let's get yes. to the to the conflicts and resolutions. Let's let's go back to what the plot's all about. You right. know, us, there can be setup episodes. There cannot be setup seasons exactly you know but i i get it from you know uh, we both have a business mind at the end of the day i uh, clayton more than me for for sure but uh, i get it from that side you know where just like they they split up stranger things into two volumes this time is yeah. they wanted to have that cliffhanger after the bingeable see that's a good example to your point earlier of how there's going to be different in, models in between yeah. yeah because it it left all this room so that people were like really hungry for what's going to happen and then they got the biggest streaming numbers they've ever gotten sure. ever i think there was some uh covid production things that oh sure no well, too, no but... this this season was written in 2020 yeah so it's just not getting to us so yeah. absolutely so okay. yeah i i i <laughs> my answer is kind of a non-answer i there's a, there's a lot but i i agree with your stuff um i just i never actually got into sherlock enough those british shows don't follow the same formulaic ad schedule that we do so it's not your 60 minute show is actually 40 minutes with 20 minutes of ads your 20 30 minute Mm. show is 20 minutes 10 minutes of ads got to keep the lights on so there's with sherlock it was like there was three or four episodes per season that's it but all the episodes are 90 minutes or so i see so the uh the second question please yeah what's the best thing you watched in the last calendar year last calendar year so um I would say Stranger Things. I th- I really thought they did it. Um, you know, as much as I <laughs> I was on the bandwagon before they started, believe it or not. Like I I just saw like what was written on the wall. I was like, okay, this is clearly an homage to a lot of uh, movies my yes. brothers grew up with Tons and, and of that callbacks. gave to me. Yeah, yeah, you know, like a lot of spill. You know, great things from what Spielberg did in the eighties. You know, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, E.T. Those kind of films, and they it's it's an amalgamation of those of all those ideas, but they put their own spin on it and they give it their own world and lore and um, plotting devices. And this one is a homage to famous horror films yeah, of the eighties. You know, The Thing, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, that's Halloween. So yeah, it's, um, so yeah, I, I've, I had a lot of fun with that. And then I just, I've had a lot of fun with the anthology stuff. Like, um, you've, you've heard in our gems, um, uh, love, death and robots, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I like that with the streaming stuff. So I think that's also just to piggyback back to our original topic. I think that is probably where the future is in terms of pure creativity is giving these uh, giving a voice to a lot of uh, voiceless for a long time until yeah. they had the opportunity to, to have things like this in streaming cuz we would have never had this before. Just even even I would say eh, 20 right. years ago we would have never had things like Love Death and Robots mm-hmm. or you'd have to buy it, you know, like a DVD thing. It wouldn't right. be this accessible. So yeah, that that is interesting. The what's yours for you before of, you piggyback? What's yours? Um, it's two very different feelings that you'll get after watching both of them. Okay. Uh, one was the latest season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, okay. I, I uh, haven't gotten into that. Yet. Oh, uh, I really can't, good. Rachel, I cannot. And Hacks, I'm guessing. No. In that vein. Uh, Hacks was great. Hacks, Hacks is, was great. Yeah. Hacks is exactly my type of dry, witty. Absolutely. Um, humor. Yeah. Uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is extremely witty, extremely fast, and I do love period pieces. Mm-hmm. So when you can transport me to New York in the early 60s and everything is very well done from the the costumes to the sets to the even like the cars and 
the food that they are serving and whatnot, you're just like, okay, this is, this is well done. Okay. And, and the jokes for being like supposed to be taking place in the sixties jokes still hit. And then the other one is, uh, is not a feel good story at all, but it is very well done. It was uh, dope sick. On dope Hulu. sick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've read this. I've seen, I've, I've read on it. I've seen, you know, yeah. All the advertisements, but yeah, give us a pitch. It was when I watched it. Well, I was genuinely curious, you know, the opioid crisis, how it ties into my day job, which we won't get into, but it is healthcare related. And it's one of those where there's everybody knows that it existed and you're kind of curious to understand how it started and all this, that and the other and how one company could kind of not only create the opioid, but create the crisis all for the sake of, you know, making a buck. Hmm. And Michael Keaton is kind of the the focal point as as a doctor. So it's not taking place with necessarily the patient, but the prescriber hmm. um, so from his point of view. And when I watched it, I remember telling my wife being like, I don't think you'll watch this show because it does not leave you feeling like warm and fuzzy on the inside. Sure. But he nailed it. He was outstanding, and then I think he won an Emmy for Best Actor for it. And I was like, yeah, that was a no-brainer. He was phenomenal. And the whole story is it's really sad, but it does give you perspective of kind of how we got here. So, I see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, before we move on, let's let's tie a bow on this bee, as I like to say, and um, let's uh, let's bring it home with some conclusions. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you still feel like, we are, are are treading up. We're going up the mountain still. We're certainly not going down. And certainly not going down. I'll agree with that. I, I think it, every time I think we've peaked, we come back and drop another five to ten outstanding shows. So I don't see how we can necessarily be done yet. Okay. And yeah, and and my argument is that uh, we are are we are peaked. Uh, we we found our our uh, you know our comfort zone. We we found the lane to be continue to be successful. But I think we'll if we're going to keep going up this mountain, we'll probably see it in international markets. If not, I think we'll start trending down in a few years, and they'll have to figure out uh, what else to keep us entertained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they will. They're they're good at it. They they, they will. Uh, I mean, fuck, we're doing it right now. I mean, could anybody guess that the podcast would have taken off this much? you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely did. And it's, it, but it's a logical evolution to what radio was. Right? Absolutely. So, it's, yeah, it's bingeable streaming radio on demand. That's, that's right. That's right. So uh, let's move on to our second topic. So guys, if you're new to the show here, uh, what we like to do on this uh, show, Is It Art? Uh, is, uh, yeah, after we talk about our main topic, we like to have some surprise topics for each other. So uh, Clayton doesn't know uh, what I'm about to ask him, and I wanna, I'm curious to hear his, his point of view about this, because like I said in the intro, he is a bit of a secret artist. And um, that in the realms of um, being a food enthusiast, you know, fine, fine dining, fine cuisine, and most importantly, the art of winemaking. So my question involves that. Okay. So um, my question for you, Clayton, is for since um, Clayton is our our resident wine sommelier, um, where does the line in the art lie for the profession? at that peak level at the master level of the wine sommelier is it and I'll, I'll i'll break it down a little more simply with this this follow-up question is it raw talent at the top like are they mozarts and beethovens or is it developed skill where does the art line lie just you, this is a good question um and for all the actual sommeliers listening, I am not certified, <laughs> so we use that term amateur term loosely. Amateur, sommelier. amateur yeah. sommelier, like um, um, yeah, I'm amateur musicologist. But, we, we're, yeah, we're, it's our passions. Yes. So, and and to your question, are you talking about actually making wine or the art of sommelier, like tasting um, wine? I would say I I I 
my first <laughs> conception for the question was, yeah, uh, to- I was I was wanting to talk about the art of making it, but I know that is truly an art because you get to add and subtract things, just like food or it's distilling, yeah, yeah, distilling alcohol or making beer. There is a definite art there. So I, that that there's no question that there's an art there. I'm talking about the people that interpret it. You know, is this the just, actual smallies? Yeah, is this okay. just like? Is this just biology at its at its highest peak, where they're just really good at uh, the, their olfactory sense, their taste bud sense, or is there is there enough nuance that we can pick people at, even at the top tier on that level? Yeah, it is. A, I read a fascinating book, so I will do a shameless plug for Cork Dork. Okay, yeah, um, we'll put it in as Bianca a gym. Basker, I believe, is the um, author of it, but. And and it goes to she basically goes through the journey of becoming a sommelier. Okay. So hmm. based on reading her book, I would say, say it one more that time it's for the good people. Cork dork. Cork dork. Okay. Which is a slang term that yeah, sommeliers dork, call yeah. each other. Check it out, guys. So um, it's very good, very light, easy to read um, for all you New Yorkers out there. I know Allie is one of them. Uh, it takes place in New York. Right? Yeah. Oh, so she's, okay. Cool. Um, and she kind of talks about like this is whole culture of being a sommelier yeah. and you know, some can be super pretentious. Hmm. Some can just like anybody, right? You right. can be super yeah, yeah, pretentious yeah. or you sense. can be just the person next door. is like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm actually a sommelier too. You're like no shit. Um, hmm. well come over and, and tell me what to drink. So sure. <laughs> the, um, it's both. So okay. Elaborate. You, it, it is absolutely a skill you have to hone in. And while me and you could taste something and say like, this is savory or this is sweet Mm. or this is bitter, salty, right? You name it. Um, They will be able to take those flavors and break them down to say, this is, this is even a little more earthy or a little more tastes like slate or granite or lemongrass and things like that. Those notes that are Mm. there, which that is a lot of God-given skill, right? Okay. Like how good is your it's nose? Developed. How Well, it can be, but a lot of it is how good is your nose, right? How good are well, your Well, I think tongue? of that as raw talent then. You're kind of born with it. Right. Okay. So the skill part is is knowing, okay, if it is hev- a heavily granite-tasting uh, red wine, well, I know that the left bank region in France, mm. that's what, so it's, it's kind of, it's two parts, picking the notes out and identifying it and then knowing what part of the world that came from. And then you go a level deeper, what mm. year based off what the climate was doing, what the rainfall. And so that second part, that is skill. That is a trained skill of knowing um, a New Zealand Shiraz is going to be a little more peppery than a French Syrah, even though it comes from the same grape, right? Like being able to separate that out is knowledge and practice, tons of practice. And in this book, they'll talk about, you know, a lot of these people work in, in the service industry, these sommeliers, and what they'll do is they'll meet at like, nine o'clock on a Tuesday morning because they all work late shifts, right? You know, their, their working hours are three to midnight or something like that. And so they'll meet at like nine o'clock on a Tuesday morning and everybody will bring a bottle over and they'll, they'll just start swigging wine. Yeah. (laughs) At 9am in the morning. And they're like, but if you do that, don't brush your teeth before you come Mm -hmm. and like, don't do any of this because that's going to, it's going to mess with your natural Mm. abilities to taste and smell and not look at things, but like there's an aspect of sight identification too. Kind of the long and short is I would say when it comes down to a sommelier, it is, there's some innate abilities that some people are just going to have that others aren't, right? So there is raw talent. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. You have to have a, a good palate, a good nose, and you can't really taint those things either. There's okay. an aspect of just like a professional athlete, right? Like don't go smoking cigarettes right before you go play a basketball game. Don't go smoking cigarettes right before you taste wine because it's not going you're not going to be a sharp. Right. Um but then being able to place that 
around the world and say, and also know what pairs well with something else, Mm. you got to know that. You have to be trained and taught and learned in that. And so... Yeah, there's it's, so, it's both follow up question. So um, I, I, you know, when you were giving an excellent answer for the record, thank you for that. Um, it, you know, it made me I always it's easy for me to relate things to uh, music and musicians. And I think of like there's there's a million great guitarists and bass players and drummers in the world. But there's only a very small percentage that are master players and mm. virtuosos. Yeah. Is there the same thing with sommeliers? I'm sure there is. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure there's somebody... Because you have to become... You have to go through all the schooling, like, to actually get the oh, title. Yeah. There's, like, multiple... Give the good people... You know what? I think that would be good. Give the good people just a, a very quick, brief rundown of what it takes to become a sommelier, or tr- a true yeah. one. Yeah, there's multiple certifications. There's non-sommelier certifications. Like, one I'm interested in, a couple I'm interested in getting myself, are just called the... W-S-E-T. And it's just that, yes, you understand wine, you know wine. You may not be the perfect sommelier be able to taste perfectly, but you can have a very educated conversation about wine. Even doing that, to pass it, like the first certification is not much, and who knows if I'll go beyond that. It's like a seven, seven, eight hours of studying and a test. But then you start building on top of that, and it's like, 20 hours and a test and now you're involving tasting and then there's a level three and a level four and that's not even the sommelier certification the sommelier certification is test taste testing immediately and they basically will give you like i think it's like two or three wines how many years altogether does it take to if you're a rock star you could be do it you could do it in probably like two or three years and become a certified, like international, multi- oh yeah, recognized yeah. sommelier. Right, there are prodigies. So that's so that's fast. Is two or three years? What's the average time frame? I mean, it kind of depends. Are you doing it? Are you doing this full time? Are you trying to to get that sommelier certification? Like that's your number one goal. You're gonna just like writing a book, right? Are you doing it in your spare time or are you doing it full time, locking mm, yourself professionally, away? Yeah. And when you actually have the time just to dedicate absolutely. to that one craft. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think for most people, they're working in the industry. The reason they're getting their sommelier is to advance their career. That is their, that is their industry. Hmm. And so in order to advance your career and start working at the Michelin star restaurants and doing things like that, you want to have a, you need to have a sommelier. And so you want to be that sommelier. Those people are probably spending more time than, than somebody like me or you. Um, I don't know that anybody does it full-time just to basically say, I'm going to become a sommelier and that's all I'm going to study for full-time. That might be something that you would see more in Europe where there's a better wine culture. Um, it's a family business over there, right? It's not somebody that's just doing it for a career. You're kind of born into it. Hmm. with a lot of those families. So follow up to that question. We'll do one more before we pass it over to you with your surprise question is, um, where does sometimes those lines um, separate the art from the business? Because I know that there's some studies out there that say like there is a saturation point. There's a peak of of really... um, I think with the quality of the wine that, you know, <laughs> when wine is, uh, you know, 20 or, you know, let's say 10 to $20, maybe 30 to $30, depending on where you live, if it's a little more expensive with inflation yeah. right now or whatever it is versus the hundreds, 200, $300, you know, is that uh, just capitalism, capitalism at work? Or is that the sommelier saying, no, this really is this level of value? Yeah, that's, there's both there. So one aspect about the price point is how much is there Hmm. like so it's supply and demand element it's absolutely a supply and demand element Hmm. we never thought about that we went to a wine dinner not too long ago and i'm not big on dessert wines sweet wines ports and what have you exactly um but it was a wine dinner for the free freeland i'm never gonna pronounce that region the tannins right. we can give them a little plug yeah it was at tannin uh wine bar in kansas city okay um it was a freeland region tasting and they had this 
dessert wine that was not typical. It wasn't like a port. It wasn't like a sherry. Mm. It's called a picolito. And it was like, it had almost an apricot flavor with some granite to it. And it was light and refreshing, and it paired perfectly with the dessert that they were serving. And we were, we were like, well, if we're going to buy any of these bottles, we want a bottle of this. And so we were talking to the guy who was um, running the wine dinner, and he was like, sorry, that's that one's not for sale. Hmm. We only make like 3,000 bottles of that a year. That's it. And that's a good year. Some years it's 1,500. Some years it's 1,800. So... Even if you wanted to sell it to you, and the price point was like 75 bucks, he's like, we don't have enough. It says $75 here. We should be charging 500 because it's good, and there's not enough of it. And and it's it's such a hard wine to make that there's really only three or four places in the world that even make it anymore. Hmm. So okay. so that, that weighs into price point a that's lot. That's a good answer. Okay. The other aspect is, yeah, it's marketing. Yeah. Like, like There's still a business. At yeah. the end of the day, that people, they want to they profit People will off of. pay more for a Napa cab. They just will. Hmm. They'll pay more for a Napa cab than something from... Well, it's Napa Valley. Right. I fucking love Napa Valley. Columbia, yeah. Washington, or something like that. Yeah. And there's a, pres- there's a prestigiousness. Absolutely. Right? Like a Bordeaux, Prestige, a French Bordeaux. And you're like, yeah. oh, I, I got plenty of French Bordeaux at a decent rate because there was just a lot of them. Right. Once some years. Um, but... You put that on a menu at a, at a restaurant, and you're saying, "What's going to pair well with the the short rib?" Oh, the French Bordeaux will go great. Wow, French Bordeaux sounds fancy, and I'll pay twenty dollars more a bottle or thirty dollars more a bottle because it's a French Bordeaux. I'm not giving you a straight answer on anything in this <laughs> with this topic, but it's no, no, you are. Both. I feel like I I'm I'm getting what I I want. I mean, it it just like our our main topic there's nuance to it yeah because there's a lot of elements at play because there's you know just like any art or artist or industry there is probably a balancing act going on of of the people that are doing it for as a passion this is their art but they also have to make a living mm-hmm. and they also have to probably play some games and um you know and make sure that these these systems are still you know well oiled machines and so there's there's probably little pockets i i get that that where there's a little bit of uh i wouldn't say price gouging but in your example the price or the supply and demand elements play play a big part but you know there is then there yeah we didn't even touch on the, the marketing you know like how even down to how labels are designed right that oh, would maybe yeah. be a topic for another day yeah wine labels how i guarantee everybody listening to this podcast has purchased if you've purchased wine um if you've purchased wine at some point in your life you purchased simply based on the label yeah <laughs> like it's this cool label it's this pretty, yeah, yeah. yeah and that's yeah, yeah. that's i mean that there's an art there right that's design mm-hmm. absolutely that's graphic design absolutely so, yeah i think i guess so yeah i got i think i got what uh, you were trying to say in terms of um there probably is an element to where, yeah, the twenty or thirty dollar wine in my example is probably the same quality as, um, you know, the hundred or two hundred dollar wine, and it may not be up to the sommelier. It may be up to a lot of other factors, but the quality may be the same, and it kind of depends on what you want in terms of your lifestyle choices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, shoot, you find a good, you find a good twelve dollar bottle of wine that you like. Just go buy a case. It's we we do that all the time. We call them Tuesday night wines because mm. you don't feel bad about not finishing it. There you go. If it's a Tuesday night, right? Like we're not going to open the 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 nineteen eighty four, you know, That's Rioja from Spain on Tuesday <laughs> night. But like that that one's a special occasion wine. Um, but yeah, the the twelve dollar bottle that we just really like. Yeah, that's, that's a Tuesday a, night wine. That's a good. That's a good place to uh, to close. Don't forget your Tuesday night open bottle. Yeah, wine night. Clayton, what do you got for me, my man? I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a little nervous because I know he's a he's he really thinks about these things. I know it's been percolating for for a week. He's been sleeping on how to deliver it. I can see it on his face. Right yes, now. it is. Am I creating the drama well enough, guys? Oh God, what is he? The Go suspense. ahead. Dun, dun. Dun, it's the SVU yeah. thing. Yeah, um, it is adjacent to yours. Um, I was thinking about going the architecture route, but. Eh, we're gonna we're gonna keep it in the uh, 
food and wine lane. Oh, okay. So oh, oh, curveball. Okay, I thought it was. Do you? Because you hinted at something. We went to dinner the other night, and you kind of hinted at it. So I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be something else, but it's. It, he he bluffed me, guys. Do you think that food is art? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, All right. Why? um, See you guys. That's it. That's the show, guys. Yes. All right. Um, Wine is because um, I say it this way. There's a difference between a chef and a cook. A cook can easily follow directions, right? You Mm -hmm. get a recipe. I'm a cook in this example. So, yeah, I I don't mind doing a little um, uh, self... uh, self uh teasing is uh i'm a terrible i'm terrible cooking so but i am a cook um at at the heart uh and the the meat of the matter no pun intended because i i can follow directions i can make something fancy taste good but when it comes to uh where i think where the true art lies in your question to answer your question is a chef and a chef can open a pantry and it's just an amalgamation of weird things and he can probably give you a gourmet gourmet you know, dish based off of those things. I also think um, uh, presentation goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I love the look of food when it's when it looks appetizing and things like that. So how it's presented to you, especially like desserts, right? You know, you can look at a cheesecake and be like, "Oh, I love cheesecake." It's going to taste like every other cheesecake I've ever had. But a true chef will um, present that to you like a little piece of art and make. Um, your appetite start revving just from pure vision alone, right? And then that's when all the other senses start to follow suit. You're starting to smell that thing, and then eventually you taste it. And yeah, it, it's it, multi-sensory, it, exactly. And then it becomes this. Uh, it becomes an amazing experience. You know, that's when I think that that's the difference is um, is the chef versus the cook yeah. is making sure that. Uh, they, um, yeah, they, you know, anybody can make a steak, right? Anybody can right. make a, a number of things, but putting your spin on it. And it's, it's like, I guess it's, yeah, it's like pretty much, you know, we like to, we know, you know, we like to close circles here. So just like our main topic, you know, they're probably someone that's a true artist is putting their own spin on these things and mm-hmm. making it. Yeah. The steak it. is not new. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. But maybe they're using a different spice. Maybe they're using chorizo. Maybe they're, you know, they're doing something just to put their own little spin on it. They're cooking it a little differently. And before you know it, you have a completely different multi-sensory experience. There is a, I think what you're getting at is there's a cultural aspect. Absolutely, yes. And in, in, in your, you know, going different countries. And yeah, though the interesting thing I was kind of alluding to at dinner, that I, there's almost a time period aspect too of when, Absolutely. Certain dishes came about, right? What was yeah. going on in the world? They, they give you kind of that look back at the past. Hmm. Like the the uh, the TV dinner, obviously, <laughs> uh, is not necessarily this our is highest brought to you form. By Freshly. Yeah. Not necessarily. They're big our... fans. We have to talk about it in every show. You know, brand, huge, huge brands are big fans of this show. Okay. We're like yeah. internationally recognized and freshly loves us. If you want to send us free stuff, we get it. It's okay. We're okay with it. Okay. Yep. Yep. All the, all the boxes. <laughs> um, yeah. Like TV dinners, not necessarily the highest form of art. No. But when did TV dinners come about? The 1950s, right? There you go. At the dawn of probably right, right around our first golden age of television golden age the first golden age yeah i love lucy and those kind of shows yeah 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 and then you oh know, man you we're, think, we're, we're closing a lot of circles you think of conclusion. like the 90s right the quick health fads yeah when you had the the oleo chips oh, yeah god and the everything was well fat free but you didn't realize that there was so much carbs and sugar in it that it didn't matter if it was fat free you're gonna yeah it's you're like gonna get fat off of the v8 thing. splash like yeah. oh it's v8 so it's healthy but right. um oh yeah it's just loaded with sugar too so that's why now it we're talking good. about the art of marketing <laughs> again like this is just business 101 where it's like they like tricked us you know it's so deceptive but uh but it fucking worked that's why we're we're still pretty obese i think we're still second second in the world i think yeah, mexico's probably. number one quite quite up there uh we love our food um but again let's you know we always like to uh, make our shows have a happy ending there's nothing wrong with loving food all right there is absolute no. art to it please eat yes yeah. uh just you know just like just like drinking do it responsibly yeah one of, <laughs> one of the interesting aspects as i was thinking about this from an art perspective is you know a Don't lot have of pizza every day in other words yes well i mean maybe throw a salad in there too <laughs> if you're going to um but when it comes to art 
some of the most powerful art is multisensory. Sure. I and, agree with that. Oh, yeah. And so it's when you do, smell do get... Some of our, it's hard to do the smell. Exactly. So with, find me some art that is that you can see, smell, taste. Don't go Don't go to your art gallery and start licking things. People. Yeah, that ooh, uh, you, you will get tackled <laughs> by a security guard for sure. Yeah. Touch, texture as an aspect of, of Someone food. did throw like a cupcake or coffee at the mona lisa i think in the last year oh, or something I like did that. See that yeah, yeah. so it's like there was there was probably a smell that they you know it created a new piece Could be. In a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah 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 and even even uh brian eno did some exp- you know we have a this is a good plug for our brian eno show brian eno show did a lot of uh things with multi-sensory stuff add, add that in no yeah. um put it in the liner notes yeah and even uh you know if you get something like sizzling fajitas now you have sound too all that's five true. senses. There yeah, you go. It's musical. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, that's a perfect. <laughs> Guys, get some fajitas tonight. Okay, will you? Jesus Christ. Um, that was great. Oh, man. Um, guys, can I try to clap so loud that Clayton can hear you. Thank you oh, so much shucks, for guys. Clayton. Thank you so much for being here today. This is a lot of fun. I want to thank, of course, you guys listening. Thank you so much. Now, before we go, usually on these shows... I just go right into the outro. There's usually no gyms, but because my guest, the uh, the the Mr. Clayton Anderson is, this is his debut show. We're gonna give him the floor, so I'm gonna do my regular outro. So thank you guys for listening. But before we go, you know we got a little more for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the gym of the week. If you don't know what the gym of the week is, if you're new to the show, it's something we like to talk about here at the end of our shows that doesn't always fit into the scheme of the episode, but it may be, you know, like on our radar in the last day, week, or month. And so we got to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. Uh, before I pass it over to Clayton, you go, of course, you got to hear from their sponsor. Uh, our gyms this week are sponsored by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go-to tool for all all our remote podcast recordings. It's easy to use, and you get everything backed up on a secure drive. So go to zen.ai slash art of the beholder. So that's zen.ai slash art of the beholder to get 30% off your first three months with the pro account, or just use promo code art of the beholder, and you can get set up easily and you'll be happy you did so now back to the gym so i'm i'm not gonna do gems today it's all clayton so he i told him you can do four five ten i don't know if i'll have enough time but um as many as you want what are you into lately last month what 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 do you got to give all right so i'm gonna give you the top tv shows of the 2010s no oh man no No, i would have liked that (laughs) i like lists let's do it uh listicles yeah that's that's what we need to get into yeah i know we'll do like a special either q a episode we're getting close to 50 yeah 50 episodes the um, flies the two i do have two gems one is a show so on hulu it'll probably be wrapped up you kind of did one the the miss mazel miss mazel yes yeah that's that's kind of a pre-gym gym of the week uh mazel's fantastic Season four, they're only going to have one more season left. She's great. Uh, Rachel, I'm never going to pronounce her last name, Brasnahan. I don't know. I know, yeah, I've seen her on like, you know, late late night talk shows like Colbert or whatever, Seth Myers. Um, Anyways, my gem is on Hulu. They're just wrapping up season two, Mm. Only Murders in the Building. Oh, I've been wanting to get into this. This is good. It's a, you know, it's not super serious. I don't think it would. Give the good people. So it's Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Selena Gomez. Yep. And Selena Gomez. And and give a quick synopsis for someone that doesn't know. Yeah, one is, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short were like the it. Comedic duo. Comedian yeah. combo of like the early, late 80s, early 90s. They still tour. And it's, I've heard they're great in yeah. person. Yeah. Um, and I, you kind of, I kind of forgot about them. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. And this came along and now they're throwing millennial humor hmm. in with boomer humor. Hmm. <laughs> or gen- uh, that's actually Gen X kind of humor. When you think about it, and it's we we need a bridge. It's <laughs> we need a bridge. The uh, the technology jokes in there of like why is the text so big on your cell phone type stuff. <laughs> um, is it's pretty good. It's it's not what I would consider prestige TV at all, but it is something that's light and fun, and it still has enough of a whodunit. Type mm. mystery to it, so there is a murder mystery. It is a mur- it's a murder mystery. Okay, yes. Um, each season's a murder mystery. They're they're finishing up their second season, and one of the best things about it is is we have a hard time 
finding shows that are not an hour long that are still good TV anymore. Sure. Yeah. And if I'm putting something on at 10:30 or 10:45 at night like slogging a full hour, like I'm I'm dozing off towards the end of that. Sure. And it's one of those or if I can find something that's light, fun, don't have to pay too close attention to it and it's it's not an hour long. Sure. It's great. It's it's a good show. Okay. So, what's number 2? Number 2 is actually a book. Please. So I know and we kind of did a pre gem gem of the week with Cork Dork. Cork Dork, yeah. Cork Dork. So second book recommendation. Yes, people. Some some of us still read. Yep. So <laughs> um, there's a lot of readers out there. We give we 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 give them a hard time. We give you know I guess people that consume entertainment now hard. We just mm-hmm. like make fun of them. And, and it is it is kind of funny because the audiobook version of this book is actually better. So so go do the audiobook <laughs> for the audiobook version. Then the actual still paper. support yeah support your authors. Um, it is the it's called the Bomber Mafia by Malcolm Gladwell. The Bomber Mafia. What's that about? And it poses. It is a it is historical um, nonfiction, nineteen thirties to night through World War Two. Um, so I don't I know not history is not everybody's thing, but it acts it asks a very interesting question, hmm. and it is: Can you wage war morally? Hmm. Is there a moral way to wage war? And because they they basically, it's almost a case study. Hmm. Of two different military generals, two different styles, and it takes place like you—you you get to live out the end of World War II hmm. of one of these generals being replaced by the other, and the strategy changing, and what you might think of as barbaric or savage, of like dropping a nuclear bomb, was that the worst thing, or did that end the war that could have gone on for ten years? Right? Is like. Ripping the Band-Aid off, obviously not a right answer. War's not good. Uh, that's our that's our company that's stance. Our PSA, yeah. yeah. Company that's stance. War's not good. Yeah, that it's bad um, as hell. But it does pose the interesting question to the human psyche of what would you do in this if you were mm. posed with this decision? Which one? Which direction are you going to choose? That's fascinating. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, full disclosure, we have to give our stance, but it is. I I do like things that make you think about Mm -hmm. you know what would you yeah what would you do in this scenario and say the title one more time it's the the bomber mafia by malcolm gladwell i I will recommend the the audiobook is better because it it contains old like radio interviews and excerpts from some of these military generals Um, it's only like five and a half hours long too so you can knock it out yeah yeah you can knock it out very quickly something absolutely okay well, there you go, guys. The Bomber Mafia and the and the other gems. Well, well thought, Mr. Anderson. Uh, guys, if you like that, you can, of course, check out our products at uh, NovoDayProductions.com. There you'll find things like the Entropy Sessions, uh, which you can also get on audiobook, and the audiobook version is excellent as well. You should check that out. Shout out, um, Philip Church. <laughs> Philip, yeah, Mr. Church. Um, and um, there's other things, too, like Adulteration, Post Meridium, Cancel Culture Lotto. Of course, you'll see ads for this show, and a lot more to come we got a lot of stuff in the oven so don't forget to like and subscribe and, and do all the shit you know what to do okay it's it's nothing new all right just just like our, our main topic to uh you know <laughs> hashed out so and uh don't forget to rate and review if you're watching this on youtube you can comment all the things and if you'd like to sponsor our little love child here you can reach out to actually clayton at uh, novodaymedia at gmail.com. Now, um, I also want to give a plug for uh, Clayton's artistry. Um, as much as I did go into the to the uh, fine dining, cuisine, wine, um, he's also a photographer. And you can find his work at his Instagram handle, at Casey Food Dude. And, um, yeah, tell the good people. Uh, also... Yeah, tell the good people a little bit about Casey Food Dude. And if you want to get a hold of him for any kind of um, marketing opportunities, uh, you can at him, of course, or send him a DM. Or if you want some management assistance, if you need an agent, you can, of course, use that same Novo Day Media at Gmail handle. But uh, let's let's focus on the art for a little bit. Uh, tell, tell the good people about Casey Food Dude. Yeah, I um, my fascination with like really, really good food started Mm. in 2008. I lived in Spain for one summer and yeah, they do food and wine 
different over there. It's it's very much a part of their culture. And so I, at, after that summer, I just fell in love with really good food and how wine can elevate a dish too. The whole experience. And, um, Multisensory. And so when I would go somewhere and, and eat something, it was, I was like, I want to remember this. So I take a picture of it, right? Uh, and at one point we're having brunch, you know, a few of us, like 2013, 14, and one of the girls at the table is just like, you should just make an Instagram. Like people, I see these all the time. You're basically doing it and just not posting it. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, just sure. I'm going to make an Instagram, you know? And, and I did. And then started to get a little traction. I started, started getting random followers. Like, well, there is, a, I will say this. I want to give you a little praise. There is an art to to the photography of those pictures and you make the food look so good on mm-hmm. camera it, it's the chef the 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 praise goes to the chef for putting out beautiful dishes i just capture them and well there is lighting them. there is angles there yeah. is there is there is an art to photography and um, don't, don't sell yourself short jesus yeah i, I just don't want to take all the credit <laughs> so, well no it is the, uh, yeah you know there there is the other side of it of course Right, and so I never actually. This is that like, was your question for me. This is the first time I'm I'm publicly disclosing who is behind the account too. <laughs> so it's been an it's been an anonymous account for for a long time, for six or seven years now, and it's one of those where I had asked for his permission. He didn't. The <laughs> you know you start doing it and you start getting a bunch of followers and stuff like this, and then people start giving you free food, and it's like holy shit, like. I'm definitely going to keep doing this now. So. Yeah. so, yeah, if you want, I feel like you could give reviews, though, and stuff like that, because you're very thoughtful on on oh, your yeah. takes. I so. have, I was having dinner last night with a few friends, and I've actually created, once again, we're tying all this together. Tied I have my together, own baby. Excel spreadsheet That's of right. my favorite restaurants oh, yeah. around Kansas City. So if you ever decide to come visit... Go ahead and email me. I will share it with you. There you go. It's got price. It's very comprehensive. Location. I can tell you. <laughs> it's it's it, we're in the triple digits on how many restaurants have been rated and reviewed on it. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, uh, guys. Uh, I just want to thank you guys again for listening. I want to thank my guest Clayton Anderson, and uh, you know the drill. Until next time, be good to each other, and as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com. And executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. Enlighten me.